Hey, hey, welcome to Queer Street and welcome to August. I mean, where did this, how, how did this happen? It seems like just yesterday was June. Hey, whatever. I got like a week and a half before school starts and you know, I'm not ready to go back to work because you know, I love me some some summer break, but at the same time, I'm getting kind of bored. Brad started back today and I'm running out of things to do and I don't have the money to be independently wealthy and to shop all day and do charitable things. So I guess I'll just have to go back to work. But it is what it is. But it is August is also what it is. Like I already said that, duh. But we're going to be talking about book number 24 today, The Thrill Club. And you know, these last three books that we had, y'all, we didn't have any deaths. They were they were a couple of, not duds, but disappointing because of no deaths. But I will tell you that this is a good book. So I'm excited to be talking about this, okay? First of all, I mean, even from the cover, it's fabulous. So this book came out May 1st, 1994. 1994, my goodness, May 1st. Let's see, 95, I was going into eighth grade. I was graduating seventh grade in May of 94. Oh, just a wee little me. Anywho, it comes in 148 pages. So it's average. The cover though, y'all, the cover. So we've got two girls on the front. Um, we have a white girl with blonde and she's wearing like this, this like vest that's like patchwork, very 90s, very 90s. And then we have our first person of color. There's like um, an African-American girl, a black girl on the other side and homegirl is all 90s out. She is wearing a lime green plaid vest over a white t-shirt and this like blue bowler hat and these big hoop earrings. I mean, and they're supposed to look scared and white girl looks scared. Um, black girl just looks like, what, bitch? But they're looking in between them is like the ghostly apparition of like a br uh, a bride. Now, this bitch looks fierce, though. And then right in the middle is the tagline, they're dying to join. Now, the cover, I'm telling you, I love this cover. And like I said, it's our first person of color on a cover. So that's awesome. So when we turn to the back, it says thrills and chills. It says Talia. I'm going to say Talia and not Talia because... It's T-A-L-I-A. -A. I'm going to say Talia. Because when I think of Talia, I think, isn't there like a singer? Like a South American singer? Mexican-American? I don't know. I don't know. Let me know. But anyway, I'm going to say Talia because I like that better. Blanton could scare you to death. She writes horror stories. Stories that often give her friends starring roles. Everyone loves Talia's terrifying tales. Ooh, way to go with your, with your, um, uh, with your, oh my gosh, what's that called? I even teach it in poetry with your, um, Oh, alliteration, style alliteration. Talia's terrifying tales until they start to come true. One by one, Talia's friends become Talia's victims. Is Talia making her stories come true or is someone trying to turn Talia's real life into a horror story? Pretty much lays out the book very well. So once again, we've got Bill. Bill, you did, you did a bang up. Oh my goodness, I dropped my book. You did a bang up job on this cover and whoever wrote the blurb, you did a bang up job. So... Let's get right into it. Chapter one, we're talking um, Shondell Carter. She's walking alone on Fair Street. She's thinking about an argument she had with her friend Nessa. Nessa had said that she had seen a ghost that was uh, like a bride, you know, cut to the cut to the cover, okay? And Shondell didn't believe her, so they argued, and she ends up leaving. She's like, screw you, I'm just going to go home. So as she's walking past the cemetery on Fair Street, she hears her name start to be whispered. And then suddenly there's a whisper at her shoulder. And before she knows it, her throat is slashed. Okay. 
But then comes chapter two, and it is just a story. Talia has told that story to the Thrill Club, made up of herself and five others. We've got Rudy, Chandel, um, Mara, Nessa, and Seth. And so they meet weekly, and they tell scary stories. They meet at a different person's house every week, and they tell scary stories. And apparently Talia is the best one. They always love her stories, and she works, just like the like the back cover said, she works her friends into the stories, often killing them, which is kind of cool, you know, I guess, until maybe you really die. But anywho, that's where we'll get. But what we don't know is that Seth has actually been helping her out. See, Talia's been really, really anxious. You know, they're starting to think about college. She's got a lot going on and she's not had the time to write the story. So Seth has been kind of helping her out writing these scary stories, but it's their little secret. They're also dating, but Mara, who is Seth's ex-girlfriend and is currently dating Rudy because apparently the Thrill Cub is, is also some like recycle your old lover club, except for poor, poor um, Nessa. She's ain't got nobody. But, um, and Shondell, I guess, is neither. Maybe they're together. I don't know. It doesn't say. But um, anyway, so they're a little they're a little suspicious because how can she constantly write all this? Maybe it's just talent. People back off. Mar is especially since, uh, suspicious because she still kind of has the hots for Seth. They've been broken up, but she still kind of is jealous of Talia. Um, Shondell's a bit bitchy about the story. She doesn't think it's that great. So Talia just gets up and stabs her right in the chest. Up, oh, turns out it's just a joke. It's one of those retractable blades. Shondell is not a happy camper. I mean, who would be when you think you're being stabbed to death by your friend? I mean, you know, she and she basically says, I don't, uh, I get even. I don't get, uh, what is it? What's the saying? I don't get, anyway, she's got to get even. So Talia, everybody leaves. Talia and Seth are alone. And, you know, she's thanking him for writing the story. She's feeling guilty that she's not writing the story, as you should. I mean, come on, you're using your boyfriend, but whatever. She said Seth seems off. He's kind of moody and, you know, she's he's kind of a bummer lately. But then she ends up thinking, well, his dad just died recently. Well, cut him some slack, bitch. I mean, his dad just died. He has a right to be a little off and moody. But apparently she don't care. It's all about her. So she's consoling Seth and they're in Seth's room. And then she looks across and she sees that his bedroom window faces Mara's bedroom window. They're next door neighbors. She knew they lived on Fair Street like the same block, but she didn't realize they were next door neighbors. Drink time. So that kind of pisses her off. She's like, you can see, he's like, yeah, when we were going out, it was really helpful. Handy. We could just, you know, talk and wave and stuff. And she's like, mm-hmm. She is not having any of that. So, but she's trying to be nice. She waves at Mara and Mara just is like, bitch, doesn't wave back and just closes the curtains. So Seth is like, hey, I want you to hear this tape that my dad was listening to when he died. And she's all like, okay, that was random and awkward. Change the subject, but let's do it. So he puts it on in these weird chanting voices and she can't stand it. It's driving her crazy. But Seth seems in this like trance. So she's like, God, you got to turn it off. Drive me crazy. So she snaps him out of it. And she's like, dude, that was, I don't like that. You know, I, I ain't into this Gregorian chant shit you got going on. So no offense to Gregorian chanters. I'm not saying that's what it was. It's just the only kind of chanting that I'm aware of. You know, I gotta look, I mean, you know, it's it's very, you know, like, what's that, you know, like chanting, like, I don't know, it's creepy to me. Chanting is just creep, inherently creepy to me. Cause I mean, like, I don't know, it's just weird. It's like you're in like an abandoned cathedral, just chanting and echoing. Anyway, 
So she decides to walk home. She's walking on Fear Street past the cemetery, and she suddenly realizes she's being followed. She's hearing some footsteps. So she gets this fake knife ready. What the hell she's going to do with this fake knife? Who knows? And then she trips and falls, and suddenly there's Shandell saying, hop, now we're even. They kind of make up. They go, okay, they're going to be friends again. And they start to talk about the fact that Mara is jealous and, and, uh, of, of you and Seth and, and, and of you and Seth and, oh, I lost my train of thought there. Sorry. And Shonda's like, Mara's, you know, really still jealous of you. She can maybe still has the hots. And she's like, what's it matter to you? You don't even seem to really like Seth that much. You're not really into him. Well, Talia takes immense offense to this because she, you know, is having a guilty conscience because she's kind of not into them that much anymore. You know, she, she, he, apparently she thinks he's being too moody over the death of his dad. And she's just, you know, you know, eh. She's not feeling it so much. So, but she gets pissed and she leaves. Next day, we're at school. She's not been sleeping well. She's kind of avoiding Seth again because he's moody and she's in a bad mood. She just has a weird feeling about herself. We have a brief cameo by Jade and Dina from Wrong Number. Hey, Dina. She's also one of our queers. And then in math, Mr. Hansen pulls her to the side and asks her, is this homework yours? And she's like, yes. Is someone trying to get me in trouble? You know, well, maybe she's got to get a guilty conscience. Maybe she's not cheating in math, but she's cheating in the throw club. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. But Seth isn't doing her homework for her, but he is helping her out a lot. So she is, it's not really her homework, but it's not not her homework. You know, it's a gray area. But the teacher would probably still call it cheating. But she denies it. So now they're at a throw club meeting, but it's only Nessa and Rudy. And they're like, where is everybody? Right. And he's like, well, Mara called. She's going to be late. But I, we don't I haven't heard anything from Seth or Talia or um, Shondell. I have a hard time. saying. I keep wanting to say it's Shondrell because I think there's a 50s girl, Tommy and the Shondell, Sh something in Shondell's with an O. I have to look it up. I think it is. Go ahead and hit up the, Am the Amazon Music or your Spotify or your Apple Music, wherever you get your music from and let me know. But so then Amara arrives, she starts to complain about Seth and Talia because that's all she's hooked up on about, even though she's there with her boyfriend, Rudy, but she's going to just complain. And then um, Seth shows up and then Talia shows up, but she's feeling kind of groggy. Okay. And she's thinking to herself, I left home like 25 minutes ago and it's only a 10 minute walk. She's like, I just feel kind of out of it. She just feels weird. You know, she just feels very confused. So but there's still no sign of Shondell. So Nessa's like, I'm going to go call her mom and check up on her. Turns out that she said she left a half hour ago and she's still not there. So they're like, we need to go looking for her. So they all get pile into the car and Talia goes to put on her sweatshirt and there's a huge blood stain on the arm. Mm-hmm. What's that about? We don't know yet. She's like, I don't know what happened. It must be dirt or something. And then everybody just kind of shrugs it off. Okay. Uh, okay. That's weird, bitch. But anywho, we get in the car, we're driving around, we get to Shondell's and we're like, well, let's trace the route she would have come. And then suddenly Mara sees something, they stop the car, gets out. Yep, you know what it is. It's Shondell's body. So right away, we're a little under halfway through the book. Happy days are here again. We got a body. Okay. Our first dead body, our first death in three books. So woohoo. I'm already happy. The police come, they, you know, quarantine, you know, close off the scene or whatever, quarantine off the cordon, 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 you know what I'm talking about, cordon, cordon off, I, is it, cor it's cordon off, right, I'm gonna have to look this up or it's gonna drive me crazy, does that happen to you, cor, cordon, cordon off a scene, it is cordon, 
to prevent, okay, whew, God, I wasn't driving me crazy. Okay, and then they take them in, talk to the kids. Uh, Talia's all upset. Seth is driving her home later, and she's upset because Mara mentioned the story. And so she's like, she's like, why did she have to do that? She's like, but um, but nobody knows that you really wrote it, but now they're thinking I'm, you know, and then she's like, ugh. And he's like, it's okay, chill out, whatever. So she goes home, she goes upstairs to change. It's been a long day, you know, your friend died. You know, it's 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 been a rough day for her. And so she goes to get changed and then she finds in her dresser drawer a bloody knife. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. A couple days pass and she hasn't told anybody about it. And she thinks, of course, I mean, what better time to tell your boyfriend about this bloody knife that was potentially used to kill your mutual friend than on the way to Shondell's memorial service. Psh, come on, timing, Shondell. Jeez. I told you she's kind of a bitch. Talia, not Shondell. Talia's kind of a bitch. Shondell's just dead. So anyway, she's like, who would have planted it there? I don't know. There were no signs of a break-in. And he's like, well, everybody from the Thrill Club was at the police officers. She's like, Seth seems somber and sad. And she's, she's kind of like, damn, bitch. Yes, he's somber and sad. He's still getting over his dead daddy. And now his friend is dead. And all you can sit there is thinking about how he ain't paying you attention. Shit. Anyway, after the service, they all go out for coffee. And Mara looks at her and says, did you clean off your sweatshirt? And then Talia comes up with the lamest excuse. She's like, it was ketchup. Now, I'm not a huge ketchup fan. I like it with, you know, like French fries or tater tots or onion rings. But I'm not big on hamburgers and all that with it. But I don't know how into ketchup you have to be to be able to use a lame excuse that there's this giant ketchup stain on your arm. What the hell happened? What? Did the end of the bottle fly off? I don't know. Anywho. Um, so Saturday, she calls Seth. They're supposed to go to the movies, but he breaks the date. Some, you know, he says something came up. My mom's sick. And so she's pissy about that. Cut the damn dude some slack. Shit. So she's like, well, I'll just try to go write my own story. But she can't. She's got, you know, kind of writer's block. She's stressed and everything. And then two detectives show up and they're like, did you just call Shondell's mom? And she's like, no. Why? He's like, well, she just called the station and said that you called and confessed to the murder. <laughs> That's what you get, bitch. So she freaks out, obviously. We flash forward to Monday at school. She feels like everybody's staring at her. She meets with Mara and Nessa at lunch. And she's like, someone is framing me. They're like, we're hearing these rumors. <laughs> and Talia's thinking, Mara thinks I did it. She doesn't, she, she's shooting her dirty looks. Ugh. So she leaves lunch to go, you know, cool off, blow off some steam or whatever. And she finds Rudy. Rudy's like, hey, I've heard these rumors. I know they're not true. He's off. He's like, anything I can do to help. And she's like, oh, he's so sweet. And so she kisses him. Damn, bitch. Mm, mm. Anywho, they hear a door a slam and they realize someone saw them. But he's like, uh, it was just a kiss. And she's like, well, things with Seth haven't been so great. She's just, she's just, a, I don't know. I'm not really liking her. But, you know, we're not supposed to like her because maybe she's a murderer. So... Um, she, he's like, oh, well, it was just one kiss. So then Thursday goes and she sees Seth and Nessa flirting and she's instantly jealous. Bitch, you were just the other day macking up on your other friend because you weren't into him. And now that he's kissing your other friend, which by the way, can we just talk about the way that Seth is making his round through this thrill club? I mean, this is just some, this is just some, is it really a thrill club or is it like a swingers club? Is it like, they, is it like one of them parties where they leave their keys in the bowl or something? I don't know what's going on here. But I don't think it's just stories. Anywho, so she walks up and Nessa's like, you called me last night and said that you were breaking up. 
and tell you like, what the fuck? She didn't say that. She probably said it, but Stein didn't say she said it. But, you know, we pretty much said she did. So they all three didn't get into an argument. Holly's like, what the hell? And, and Seth's like, what is going on? Nobody knows what the hell's going on. Everybody's denying everything. So that night, Tali's at home. Her parents are out. She hears a knock. And then when she opens the door, there's this hideous face there. It turns out it's just Seth in, a, in this Aboriginal mask from New Guinea that his dad collected. I guess his dad was some kind of uh, anthropologist or some shit like that. And um, and so he's like, my dad and my father collected these. And he's like, I just thought it'd be funny if I could bring it to the uh, the thrill club meeting. And she's like, yeah, it's real funny. Scare the shit out of me. But you know what, bitch? You shouldn't be complaining because he's at your house. So she's like, I'm sorry about today. I don't know what's going on. I'm distressed. He's like, it's okay. We'll be okay. And then she shares her exciting news. She got into UC Berkeley. She's all excited. He's like, but that's a far way away. And she's like, it's okay. We'll stay together. Well, bitch, you know, that ain't true. That never is true. Ain't ever true. Plus you don't want him anyway. Now, why are you going to him when you go to California with all them hot surfer guys? You know, they're going to be up there telling you going to be with one of them. Anywho. So Tess is like, Hey, I know you've been stressed. I wrote you another story to help out to read at the Thrill Club. Okay. Next chapter. Oh, my contact just fell out. Oh, wait, no, I didn't. Oh, yes, it did. Well, shit. So <laughs> next chapter, we're in Rudy's basement. Contact update. Still in the eyeball. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> So we're in Rudy's basement. He's getting ready to host the Thrill Club, and he's rigging up this prank. That um, oh my gosh, contact! And he's rigging up this prank that he's going to play on them. His little brother comes in. He's like, "What are you doing with this rope?" He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang this dummy. You can come watch later." Now scram, skedaddle! So the prank isn't working. The noose isn't fitting around the dummy's head that well. So he gets up there and tries to fiddle with it. And for some ungodly reason, he puts it around his neck. Why would you do this, Rudy? Idiot. And of course, he's on a chair and he falls and he hangs himself. Turns out, though, next chapter, that's just the story that they're telling. And uh, that uh, Seth wrote for Talia to, to read at the club that night at the meeting. And she's like, I can't read this. They're going to think um, I'm out to get him after what happened. And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. You can go ahead and do it. Don't worry about it. So the next day she sees Rudy at school. She's like, hey, um, do you need some help getting set up for tonight? He's like, yeah, um, I have a fun prank. You can come help me set it up. And Mara overhears them. And um, she walks up right as they're ending that. I'm trying to put my contact in and do this too. And um, she's like, hey, I know that we're not best friends, but I'm really worried about Seth. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, my bedroom, uh, my bedroom looks into his, like she needed a reminder. And she's like, well, lately I've seen him. He's pacing all night long. He's acting really weird. He's up at weird hours. He's just, you know, something's not right. And she's all like, that's what you wanted to tell me about. She's like, you're just spying on us. You just don't want us to be together. So they fight. She does not heed her warning that something is wrong. And so she's like, just, you know, leave us alone. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. So that night, throw club meets. They're at Rudy's. We've got Mara and Seth are on the porch. No one's answered there. And then Nessa arrives and they're like, well, Talia should be here soon. And and Mara's like, no, Talia should already be here. I heard, I overheard her telling Rudy that she was going to come early and help him set up. So she should already be here. And they're like, well, that's weird. So they're like, well, let's just open the door anyway. So they open the door and go in <coughs> and there's nobody around. 
So they go down into the basement where they're supposed to meet. Oh, I need a drink for that cough. Excuse me, some rosé will help. And what do they see there? They see Rudy hanging from a noose in the basement. Mara starts laughing and she's like, it's a joke. He said he was going to play a prank on us. This must, I overheard him telling Talia that he needed his, that he needed help, her help with a prank. So this must be what his joke is. And they're like, no, he's really dead. And she's like, no, he's not. Come to find out, poor bitch, he's really dead. So she's really upset because here she is thinking her boyfriend was playing a joke and he's really dead. So then suddenly as they're getting his body down, Talia appears. She's dazed, confused, dazed, not like the movie. And her hands are all red with rope burns. Mm -hmm. Next chapter picks up. Talia's in the hospital. She's been there for five days on some kind of psych hold, as she should be. And Seth comes to visit her. And she's like, I might be getting out tomorrow. She's like, I can't remember anything about that night. I don't know what happened. And he seems kind of wary. He seems kind of distant. But again, hello, come on, bitch. Dead, dead. Now two dead friends. Y'all, we're up to two deaths. I am ecstatic about this. So anyway, he's like, well, I just came to buy to check on you. I'm going to go. I got to go. So she gets up and, and says goodbye to him. And then she looks out the window and watches him leave with Mara. Mm -hmm. And she's thinking, is Mara, would she do anything to get him back? Bitch, she's probably just consoling her. Her boyfriend just died. So later that night, she's reading, trying to settle down in the hospital. And two people come into the room and they're all creepy. And they're like, can we play with your hair? <laughs> Which that's creepy. I'm sorry. If I'm in the hospital in the psych ward and two people come into my room wanting to pet my hair, no, somebody better up my meds. And so she suddenly realizes that it's Rudy and Shondell. But spoiler alert, it wasn't really. That was just a cliffhanger for that chapter. A nurse comes in. She takes them away. They were just two other random psych patients, which, come on, shady side, get your shit together. With all the problems you got going around, you can't keep track of your psych patients. They're just wandering the damn halls. That's creepy. That's creepy. This ain't American Horror Story Asylum. Keep your patience when they should be. Anywho, we're moving on. Talia's now home. She calls us. She's like, I need to see you. I missed you. Um, uh, come over and see me. So he comes in and they're talking. She's like, I just want this all to be over for people to believe me. And he's like, it'll be over soon. And she's like, well, until then, I need another trophy. And she moves and there's two human heads, Rudy and Shondell. She's like, you're my next trophy. Ha, blah, blah, blah. It was not true. It was another story that Seth had written for her. And Talia's like, oh, hell to the no. I cannot tell this. I cannot tell this. She feels she feels Seth is really insensitive. She's like, they're going to think I, I'm really insane now. They're going to threaten. He's like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So they're waiting for Mara um, and Nessa to arrive. It's awkward you know, because two friends are dead and they're still meeting and they're just acting like nothing's going on. And then Talia's thinking, I just don't feel like reading the story. And Seth is like, oh, I'll read it for you. And she's like, no, 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 I can't because then they'll really, you know, they'll, it'll it'll come out that he's doing this, that he's writing on my my stories for me. And she's like, I'll read it. And so she's reading it. She's like, as she's reading it, she's thinking, I'll just change the ending to be, um, to just being regular shrunken heads, like um, from New Guinea or whatever. She's like, and so I'll change the story so it doesn't involve anybody in the club. And as she's reading, she realizes that Seth isn't listening uh, to the story. He's listening to his Walkman. Now, all you youngsters are Walkman. Oh, sweet Lord. I don't, what do we even describe this thing as? Do they even make Walkmans anymore? There's probably one of them Smithsonian. 
I don't know, Google it. If you, I mean, I, I can't even, it makes me feel a hundred years old. So he's listening to the Walkman. She's like, well, that's rude. <laughs> and suddenly she gets a little bit of a headache, but she's, you know, she's been feeling out of it for a couple of days, a couple of weeks here now, you know? And so she tells the story and does not change the ending. And then so Mara and Nessa are like, um, what the fuck? Why are you telling this creepy ass story? It's a good story, but shit. And suddenly there's these voice in Talia's head saying, get the hacksaw, do it now. So she pulls a hacksaw out of a brown paper bag. What the fuck? What? Who just who just carries around a hack? Now, if we're going to talk about murder weapons, hacksaws are pretty scary because, I mean, with an axe, sure, that's going to be painful because you're going to get a blow with an axe. But that's going to be over and done with pretty quick. But a hacksaw, that's going to take some work. That is some that is some saw level shit. And so I am not, I am here for it, but who I'm telling you. So then the voice in her heads tells us go to Mara, but watch out for Nessa. So basically Talia starts attacking them. All hell breaks loose. This was not the club meeting that they had in mind. It's not club med. It's club dead. <laughs> That's a good tag. I should write these things down. Um, so they start to fight. The voice is telling her, do this, do that, attack, kill. Finally, Mara and Nessa pin her down and she kind of passes out. And the voice in her head says, I'll just have to do it myself. She wakes up and she's like, what are y'all doing? You're hurting me. And they're like, you're trying to kill us, bitch. And then Seth takes the headphones off and says, no one is escaping tonight. Bum, bum, bum. So now everybody's what the fuck, except for Seth. He knows what the fuck, but the girls don't. He's like, my father didn't die. He escaped. And they're like, your father died, dude. And he's like, no, he didn't. He's like, he listened to this chant of this uh, chanting on this tape. He's like, it's called the transfer tape. He didn't, es he didn't die. He escaped in someone's body. He's like, I've been using this tape to escape into Talia's head and to make you kill. And she's like, what? And she's like, why would you do that? He's like, because you don't care about me. You've been using me. He's like, you use, which is true. I mean, I'm not saying if someone hurts your feelings, you need to find some kind of ancient New Guinea way to possess their body and make them become a murderer. I mean, that seems a little extreme, but he did have a point. She was using him. He's like, you're using me to do your homework, to do, to do your stories. You don't care about me, yada, yada, yada. He's like, but it all ends now. He's like, no one's escapes. So he cranks that puppy up and it's loud and everybody's like, ah, and they got to put their hands over their ears. They're like, he's going to kill us all. And suddenly Seth starts chanting and going all crazy. And Mara grabs him and then he stops and just collapses and he's dead. Guys, we've got a three-peat. We have got, I mean, I'm going to drink to that. I'm going to drink to it because we got three deaths. Oh, three deaths. Three deaths. Yay, yay, yay. So he's dead. Then we move on to the end of the book. Mara and Talia are um, talking. Mara's brought Talia some flowers to celebrate. The charges against her have been dropped. Um, nobody believes this crazy ass story that the girls have said, even though they all corroborate it for each other, but they can't prove that anybody else did it either. Um, but they're talking about how they miss Seth, the actual real Seth, before he went batshit crazy. And so they're like, well, let's call Ness and hang out. We can tell some stories. And then of course, Talia says, yeah, but it's gonna have a happy ending this time. Womp, womp, womp. So I'm told you this was a good one. Now. We're going to, we're going to do this type of fear. I decided we're going to do a double crazy person because, well, 
I mean, Seth was pretty bad shit. But we're also going to turn in Supernatural because, I mean, come on. It's not every day that you get to possess somebody and make them kill. It's, I mean, that's, that's Supernatural. That's some Supernatural shit. So we've got Crazy and Supernatural. We have three deaths here. And I'm pretty sure Stein did this for me because it makes up for it. So that, um, you know, for those last three books, I didn't have any. So that brings us to 21 total deaths out of 24 books. That's almost a one-to-one -one ratio. We're getting better. We're getting better. So I'm happy with that. So because of those three deaths and because of um, the the going back and forth between the stories and thing, which you knew when it was a story after the first after the first shock, you knew it was going on, but it was still fun. I gave this puppy five stars. It's um, rating on Goodreads a 3.66, one of the highest ones. So I'm not alone in that thinking. But our queer, now I really, really, really thought about this, y'all. At first I thought, well, maybe it was Nessa or Shondell because they were the ones without a boyfriend. But that just doesn't mean that that they're, they're queer. It just means that they don't have a boyfriend. But then I thought, what about Talia? Because, you know, she wasn't really into to Seth. And then she wasn't really into Rudy. So I think that she's just going through some, some crises. I think that she's either bi or she's questioning. So Talia's our queer because whatever she is, she's not straight. And that's cool for her. So Talia, we hope you can get past your, your boyfriend possessing your head and using you to murder your friends. And we also hope that you come to terms with your sexuality, whatever it be. We support it. But next week, we're going to talk about One Evil Summer, and that is a good one, y'all. I'm already thinking about it. But until then, we're happy because people are dying left and right in Shadyside once again. So all is right with the world. So it's August. Stay cool because it's getting hot as fuck here. And stay queer until next week. Bye.